Uh, welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are discussing Mr. Miracle number 24 and 25 from 1978 by Steve Gerber, Michael Golden, and Russ Heath. My God, these are beautiful comics. Beautiful. Ugh. Uh, unfortunately, I looked at it through digital, so I wasn't able to find or really didn't get a chance to pull out my issues. But it's still beautiful. It's still like, it's still amazing. They they are such a great pair together. I'm not sure if Heath ever inked Golden again. But like the scenes in New Genesis are breathtaking. I love the eyes, you know, the face. I mean, that's a lot of it is Golden, but just he, you know, Russ Heath just makes it just beautiful like yeah it's amazing stuff i would love to see the original art on this you're right the eyes are just incredible mm -hmm. the, you, you look at almost any random page and the artwork is just perfect when barter first sees scott again on in issue 24 page 5 panel 3 for example the look on her face is like so loving and trusting and passionate about him yeah, you can absolutely read her look look on her face, and like you flip the page and you see Scott kind of rebelling against New Genesis, and that look in his eyes is very determined and angry and also very serious, you know. And his he just draws him just amazingly well. Mm -hmm. And the whole book is full of scenes like that. Both of these issues are full of that. Yeah, I love that. I mean. These last two issues, man, I, I think we've talked about it. These are the last issues, and I wish Gerber and Golden and Heath would have come back because this is what I wanted. This is kind of the great lost Gerber project to me. Mm -hmm. He, uh, as we talked about, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have written issue twenty six anyway. That would have gone to Len Wein. Oh, okay. So Gerber was only on it for three issues anyway. So in a way, it's kind of a good thing. But Gerber sets so much up in this story, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have this whole business of Scott making this emotional journey and also making this physical journey at the same time. He acquires this new nemesis, this girl. And then there's also hints at the end of, if you're going to be a messiah, there has to be an antichrist figure. Uh, like he's perfectly setting up with uh, he's perfectly setting up this complex world that, that he would do an amazing job exploring if he only had the chance. Yeah, and I would love to see what that, and I think the villain that came through, I was actually a little bit confused with these issues of who she was. Obviously, it's a new person, but I just love the conclusion of like, she's all, well, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get into it, but Basically, there was a villain that was created, uh, like a, a human from the earth who couldn't feel pain or was really super athletic. And uh, Granny Goodness was able to use her to attack Scott. But, she, but the person from earth came to the realization that she doesn't enjoy violence competition against other people. She wants to compete against herself. So mm -hmm. make yourself better. That's what she enjoys. It's like, you know, I don't know much about Gerber, but the stuff that you've told me about, it's like, this is on point, like on brand Gerber. And I love it. It's really cool. 
Yeah, it's like this ambiguity about heroism, right? She's or villainy. She refuses to be put in one box or the other. And Scott does also, right? He's outside of the kind of common concept of being a hero or a villain. As this messiah figure, he's this really ambiguous figure who's um, complicated in the way that a real world person would be complicated in that like, there's no grounding for what he actually is. He's this completely unique figure. And in that way, he's even more free from the chains that bound him before. It's a little bit what we talked about last week, right? And so I, I think there's only a handful of writers at that time who could have even started to explore an idea like that. Because Scott's like larger vision of freedom in his world is so kind of profound and so much around him evolving himself. And it is a very Gerber-esque uh, approach to things. Yeah, it's great. Should we start from the, I guess, from the beginning of 24? Sure. So I, I, I had a comment on, I mean, you know, the beginning is just, you know, swashbuckling, you know, whatever. I, I, I could take it earlier, but what I love on page six, it's essentially what I wrote down was I loved it. And it's Scott breaking off of the two-party God system. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like we've talked about before, even back in Kirby, when we were reading the Kirby issues, I always had a problem with New Genesis. It's like, yeah, it's better than Apocalypse, but there's still people suffering, you know? It's essentially a two party system. And yeah. now, like, he's all like, well, and they're all like, do you serve Dark Side? It's like, no, I don't have to serve Dark Side to know that I don't want to serve you, you know? And it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because he is his own unique self, right? And that's what I was just talking about. Like, he is now free to be his own self. He, he's, he's freed himself from yet another emotional or physical constraint around him. Scott mm -hmm. is be Keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I, he's just becoming more his own self. Yeah, and I think what was interesting about it, too, is that um, he is imperfect and he has delusions of grandeur which comes to the next page which is the return of barda the true barda that i want and he's all like come on barda let's go or something like that and she's all like well i'll come if that's a request not an order like she's all like i'm not your like you gotta you ask me don't tell me yeah and then, yeah and that and the way that heath and uh excuse me that golden and heath draw her the look on her face too like oh. that's this mix of anger and trust to Scott. That that's like a real kind of wife look on on her mm -hmm. face. You know, she trusts him, but she's not sure where he's going, and he better treat her right. I mean, this is the Barda that like I think Kirby envisioned as close to it, and so and then in the following page, there's a little I I, I got some good funny comments, like some quips from Gerber too. I, I noticed he's a little funny too, so like. Uh, next page, page eight, Scott's going on about that. You know, I had this, like, I want to be their Messiah, you know, bring, you know, and that didn't work out, but I still want to. And then uh, Barda says, like, oh, how modest of you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it was kind of funny. And then obviously in the following page, he's all like, well, yeah, I don't want to come to bed. I got to, like, think about how I'm going to try to lead the world, you know, and she just punches him out. She's like, okay, here's some hot, you know, hot, some sense into your hot air. And like, okay, now come back to bed. Wife, uh -huh. duty to your wife first before your job or whatever, your messiah complex. Never neglect a lonely wife. And a couple of pages before she's like, 
Scott, I've missed you. I haven't spent any time with you since since uh, I went into the hospital. Like she is, she just misses her hubby. She misses her their their time together. She misses that. The you know she's horny for him. And also, like you know, what's important? You know, family is more important than your job. You know. Mm-hmm. Pay, uh, yeah, it's not that she's horny for him. It's just she misses him. Yeah. She misses their their time together. And you know how often. This is a really common thing in my house. I know about yours where like one of us, well, I, sorry, I don't mean to be a, a rude. Uh, this is really common in my house where like uh, one of us will come home and we'll be all full of this energy and all this stuff. And the other will be like, yeah, well, if you're taking out the garbage, or, huh. you know, what are we having for dinner tonight? Yeah, as a single guy, I haven't gotten that yet, but hopefully someday someone will tell me like, go take out the garbage before you could be happy. No, I'm just kidding. Our buddy Matt will understand. In a true way, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to be rude, Amir. No, 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 no. that's cool. I think, uh, it's, uh, I think this it's, is this is that relationship between them you've been missing. Yeah, and I've been missing the characterization. Like, good on Gerber to do this, and as like two issues bringing him back. So this is really characteristic of Gerber too. He's for his era, especially. He wrote the strongest female characters really of any other comics writer of that time. The, the women who were them, their own selves and these independent spirits and who are kind of figuring out their own way in the world. If we do read Omega, for example, the, the two lead females in that series are independent and their own people, absolutely unique people. Uh, and you see that throughout Gerber, even the character like Jennifer Kale and Man-Thing who's like this teenage girl who kind of finds her way into mysticism. And despite the fact she wears a chainmail bikini, she is like this woman with agency. Mm. Gerber just likes women. And it's actually like something that we found writing the book too about Gerber. Like his, uh, he had a long time writing relationship with the another writer, Mary Screenas or Screens, I'm not sure how you say her name. And she still adores him to this day. You know, he was, he was a man who, like really did trust women and you see that in the relationship between scott and barda he's kind of showing some of his own uh, life experience in the way the pair of them interact with each other do you think uh you know with the, the writing partner do you think he would run like whenever he'd do a characterization of a female he would run it by her was there any indication to that i think they talked all the time so it was just part of their conversation Oh, okay. They were, for all, from all indications, I haven't spoken to her directly, but from all indications, they were very close friends. Mm. Oh, cool. And then the next thing is next page. This is, again, like not knowing too much about Gerber, but a little bit from you and just like Wikipedia. Scott's leaving to go to the library to read some philosophy and theology. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like I'm... It's, it's on point on, on what I've read from Gerber. I like that Scott was doing the work too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never see a montage like this with a comic character. Yeah. He's just doing his daily stuff. Who's taking care of all his own personal business. It, it just felt so refreshing to see a hero in, at the library and at the bank. Yeah. And like we even see him buying the coffin he's going to be using later in the issue. Yeah. It all felt so refreshing. 
I mean, you could think that maybe he could use the mother box or I guess whatever source to learn all that, but no, he's got to go to the library like a regular person to read. He's very grounded, right? Yeah. There's all there's the whole bit uh, about him selling the house too, and like they bring in the real estate agent when he buys the house in L.A. You know, you get the impression that Scott's also making the calls to set up his his uh, utilities. You know, yeah. like you know he's calling PG and E to set up his gas service because uh, Scott's going to take care of all the details. Um, this is all, he's kind of a working man hero in a way, mm-hmm. where he is putting in the time. And we've never seen that from anybody else. Mm-hmm. And then the next page, him visiting Ted Brown. And this is on point too. I always felt like Ted was a little, not creepy, but like he wasn't all, like even with Kirby, I mean, Kirby didn't give this indication, but like, I mean, he's not like 100% like a super nice guy. You know, he's not like a hero. Mm-hmm. And so, like the first, uh, the caption of above it says, "At the somewhat seedy offices of an old acquaintance." It's like, oh wow, it is a. I mean, it's not hundred percent seedy, but it's a little seedy. Like, well, he can't even afford a second chair. Yeah, and he can't. He's kind of using, you know, Scott to make money. You know, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have anything himself. So, you know. Yeah, and Golden and Heath draw, uh, Ted as a guy it looks like a guy in his late 30s or his 40s you know his hairline is receding he's got wrinkles on his face too i like that they don't draw him like this kind of square jawed hero character mm. he kind of looks like a like an actor like a like an aging actor like a heartthrob yeah he look good and he's kind of aging that's a great uh, that's i totally see that amir yeah he looks like I don't know, Paul Newman in the 1980s or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally see that. Uh, going back, uh, page 10, there's so much nice stuff in the art here. Uh, there's, uh, sorry, I want to go back a little bit further on the art. Uh-huh. Uh, let's talk about how beautifully Golden and Heath draw New Genesis from pages four through six. Four, through, four and five especially uh-huh. it's gorgeous the city looks like this ethereal vision of beauty off in the distance mm-hmm. with those gorgeous white exotic birds flying around it and the flowers everywhere that you know the, the odd ships flying through this through space there and stuff the walkways the giant towers i mean this is just gorgeous sci-fi uh it looks like Golden studied someone like Al Williamson or mm. Frank Frazetta. Like it feels like it could have come from a Williamson sci-fi story. I wonder where this fits with Williamson doing Star Wars because, you know, like we were talking about last time, this is a year after Star Wars came out. And I wonder if there's some strong influence there. I'm pretty sure Golden studied Williamson anyway. Mm-hmm. But like the detail on page five, the long panel on the left is it's just so rich and full of evocative images. Scott and Oberon are just tiny figures in the middle of all this other stuff going on. Yeah. Oh, it's really futuristic and beautiful. Yeah. And then just a few pages later, he does an equally good job drawing the house. 
the house uh, that they, that Scott and friends come back to almost looks like a house out of a fairy tale in a way, the way it's covered in snow and stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's like a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, 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 they do a nice job of making it look like Scott's going from one sort of paradise to another sort of paradise. Mm-hmm. Another kind of dream, one dreamscape to kind of another dreamscape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's this really nice kind of subtle way of saying, this is the piece of being home. Which also sets up a nice tension when he goes and sells the house and then the stuff in the next issue about him buying the bigger house in California. Mm-hmm. It's subtle. I'm not sure how much they meant that up front, but you know, it just struck me as we were talking about it. Is Gerber from New York or California or West Coast or East Coast? So he was born in Missouri, worked, worked, lived and worked in Missouri till his 20s. As the story goes, he was working at an ad agency and hating it. And out of desperation, one of his stories he talks about, I was near suicidal. He contacted Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas is about five years older than Gerber. And Gerber had written for some of Thomas's fanzines. So Gerber writes to Thomas and says, hey, can you use another staff member? And this was when Marvel was expanding. So Roy asked him to move out to New York. So Gerber lived in New York for about five years from like 70, I want to say 73 through 78 or so. And then he moved to LA to work in the film business and then eventually moved to Las Vegas to live. Oh, okay. The reason I ask is like, I wonder what the whole reasoning to move to LA was for Scott Free, you know? It probably parallels Gerber's thoughts about moving out of state, moving to California. Mm. Because I mean, it wasn't long afterwards that he got his job working at Ruby Spears, uh, creating Thundar with with Jack Kirby and other stuff that he did there. Mm. Because also like the Las Vegas scenes are really nice as well. Oh, he moved there too, huh? He's, uh, you mentioned yeah, he, he actually sadly passed away in, in the hospital in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Las Vegas is, uh, I like the cars, you know, the classic car that he drives. Scott looks amazing in this issue too. And the next issue also. Oh my God, look, he's got belt bottoms and like Elvis shoes. He is so freaking fashionable. His <laughs> hair length is so cool. He's got the right size sideburns. He looks so good in those sunglasses too on that montage. Oh, like in the library? Yeah, he's got as a totally total 70s man. He's like Alan Delone. I don't know if anybody knows that guy. Oh, I don't. But I get I, I kind of know what you the, the the idea anyway. Yeah. It's good. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's a nice jacket. Yeah, yeah, that's one that's one thing also is that like he Golden really drew people in fashionable clothes for the time. I mean, Oberon's not wearing that ridiculous outfit for a change. Oh yeah. It's still ridiculous, but it's better than at least he's got pants on. Well, in the next issue when they're buying the house, he's wearing jeans and a sweater. Oh, nice. He just looks like an ordinary guy. It's like weirdly shocking to see him dressed like an ordinary guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's still wearing gloves though sometimes. Yeah. But like the realtor in issue 25, she's got like this Annie Hall look, you know, with the hat and the 
the weird tie stuff and everything. She's, she's like this middle-aged, dressed like a middle-aged version of Annie Hall. You know, it's funny. I thought that might have been, a, for a second, I thought it might be Granny Goodness. She is all, Granny Goodness is all through this stuff. I love Granny Goodness. Is the, the draw. I mean, that's one of my notes. Like, I like the way Golden Heath drew, drew her. Yeah, because she's not just wearing some costume like in issue 25, page three, when she's wearing that kind of gown thing with the stripes on the sleeves and she's got earrings on. She looks like she could come out of, I don't know, watching her grandson play soccer or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of like, kind of looks like uh, George Bush's mom. Yeah, she does. Yeah, Barbara Bush, right? Yeah, it was before Bush was a big deal, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Oberon's wearing boots and that crazy costume in issue 24, and then finally issue 25, he's able to wear real clothes. But Scott in the the total white Elvis suit with the bell bottom, that's kind of hilarious. Mm-hmm. He looks yeah. like he's ready to put on a Vegas stage show, which I guess in a way he does. Oh, yeah, he is, yeah. I think the stage so I could take it or leave it. It was fine. I I did put a note on page one or page 16. I love the way Barta is drawn. She's like beautiful and like she beats up a dude who, uh, you know, who was kind of rude, you know? Yeah. The badass. I love that page. Her eyes on panel five of that page are so perfect. Like It's really just the one eye we see. But they're so evocative again. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like she just has this look of anger, but she's also beautiful. I mean, again, she looks like an actress. Mm-hmm. All these people look like actors and actresses who I can't identify, but they're also perfectly drawn. Yeah. Those eyes are great. And Heath does a good, or I keep wanting to say Keith instead of Golden. Golden does such a good job on that page too of alternating between the faces and the water. It really is cinematic. Like you can imagine the movie, a movie flashing between faces and and the splash and face and the splash. And then, oh yeah. And then, so they're both looking one way. Barter's looking another way. It's like the echoing of the faces emphasizes her face as well. And there's even detail on her helmet that's like very Kirby-esque. Like there's no reason for there to be that level of detail. It just looks good. Mm-hmm. Like how the, the piece coming down is kind of split in two and there's an extra button on the forehead and like a, almost like a knob on the top. It, it's, it's so true to the spirit of Kirby. Yeah, it's great. <clears throat> and I love this issue more than I thought I did. The more we talk about it. Mm-hmm. I like the next issue more because it's just there's more revelation. I think it was really fun to see that uh, and Gerber got to play around for three issues. It was nice. I think the first page of issue 25 is one of the most gorgeous pages I've seen. If I could own, it's like in my top five Holy Grail pages. Oh, really? Oh, cool. There's just something about the way Scott is drawn there mm-hmm. that's so powerful to me. Yeah, I actually noted that I love the lettering doom onto others too. I thought that was really cool. 
Yeah, I don't know this Clem Robbins guy, uh, but he does a good job with the lettering here. I've seen Clem Robbins. He's actually he did some recent issues. I mean, recent like ten years ago issues. And okay. I wonder if that's him or is it? Would it be uh, Michael Golden? I don't think Golden did the display lettering. Only the sound effect lettering. Ah, uh, okay. I think that's how it usually works. Mm. The sound effects aren't nearly at the same level as Marshall Rogers drew. Oh, got it. But the quality of the artwork, uh, to me, is like so far beyond what Rogers delivers in his issues. Oh, this is top notch. I mean, it gets better. Like this issue is like, you go to page two and that's dark side right there. It's not Kirby, but it's, that's dark side too. Like, so good. You love that close-up, I bet, right? Yeah, and also, like, if you look at it, the way Darkseid stands, like, his arms behind his back, that's great. Uh, like, that page, I would, the page two I'd love to own because it's got Barda, it's got Darkseid. It even has, like, a little bit of uh, granny goodness, so it's great. I, I almost like Golden's drawing of Barda better than Kirby's. It's the <laughs> eyes that do it to me. Yeah. Like in, in the first panel on that page, she looks a little young. She looked older in the Kirby's drawing, but I, I kind of like her younger. Mm. She's still kind of discovering. I mean, I love this one. Like it's, but I, I mean, like the Kirby one, that's the, that's the one. I mean, you can't, for me, it's like, I like that mature, like, you know, powerful woman and this is mature too but i mean i love them both it's it can't really hard for me to compare yeah yeah that's why it's like i kind of like it but on the other hand yeah it's kirby right uh <laughs> i like the interpret so i'll say this like i love the interpretation you know like i like that we see something different you know mm -hmm. but Absolutely. different and it's still the same character that's where the writing comes in. It's like, it's the same Barda, but you know, a different artist's take on it. And she's skeptical about Scott becoming the Messiah. My husband, despite his ancestry, isn't cut out to play the Messiah. He cherishes yeah. his own freedom too well. Is he gonna lay the seeds of his own destruction? Mm -hmm. And this is such a classic Gerber-esque self-doubt sort of thing. <laughs> Maybe the only one who can stop Scott is himself. Oh, I wish I could read more of this stuff. Wish Gerber had a longer run. Yeah, it's been great. It's a great issue. Um, the way they, the way he writes the interaction between Darkseid and Granny Goodness too, it's just a short scene, but the way they interact with each other there is just so, it's right on. Like you said, the, the look of Darkseid there is just perfectly on model. Yeah, this issue is just full of so many this amazingly drawn scenes. The scene, where, page three, where Scott is like running away from those apocalyptic creatures or whatever, mm -hmm. and Golden splits up the panels, is just like so exciting. It's such clever oh, storytelling. Yeah, it's like a dog fight, except like new gods dog fight. Mm -hmm. And I like those the design of those bad guys you know they're a little bit different than the uh, the wizard of oz monkey thingies that 
they used to be right? I don't know what they're called, but you know, it's, I like this design. All the designs are, are really interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, it's really like, it, it's, it points towards like the eighties in terms of design because characters just have more complexity to them. Mm -hmm. I think Scott is a little bit too bulky, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see that. He's still kind of the fighting man too. Although, you know, Gerber doesn't have him actually punching people out here. Later on, he does. Yeah, he goes back and forth, actually. If you look at him, like, on page five, he's not as bulky, but then when he's, like, fighting or on the, in the air, he's, like, really buff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, there's just so much in here. The way Scott's on sits on the couch on page five, I love that. Mm -hmm. And look on his face on page six when he's talking about how he escaped. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It, he looks so casual and relaxed. It really is just like the family hang around at the house. Yeah, yeah, I like that, yeah. I like his explanation too. If you remember like with Kirby, I mean, you know, it's not his fault, but like Kirby had to do really, whenever you explain how he ran away or he was able to escape, you know, it was kind of boring. It, I kind of glazed over those, but this one I was kind of interested in seeing like how he escaped and it's kind of cool. I also yeah. like page seven where they show like the new villain, the, the lady, mm -hmm. um, the daughter or whatever, like the way the storytelling from panel to panel, the last panels in the bottom. I think it's panel five through seven. It's, I really like the way that's done. It's, isn't that just beautiful comic storytelling? Yeah. You get such a sense of who she is and what she can do and her grace. And then even the fact that the husband and wife are separated between panel borders mm -hmm. shows there's like a, a wall between the two of them. Because mm -hmm. she hates him, right? Yeah. And like, uh, you really feel that just in the way the page is composed. She's like uh, what Scott and Barda are not. Yeah, they're the opposite, aren't they? Yeah. And the dad, from what I gather, doesn't seem like that bad of a guy. Like, it's just that he might be a loser in her eyes. And, yeah. And yeah, he used to be a mm -hmm. he used to be a football star, but mm -hmm. the, your courage was confined to the quarterback slot. Mm. I mean, he did. They did have. He did get them in the accident that paralyzed their daughter, but then she's kind of emerged from that too. Another Gerber-esque touch. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't get the daughter's name. Aliana. Aliana, yeah. Yeah, he, they say at the bottom, the wife says at the bottom of page seven, Ida, the wife, you did it beautifully, Aliana. Mm. It, she is a weird character in that she kind of comes from nowhere. Yeah. We get the first bits of her in the previous issue and a lot of stuff with her this issue. But because she has no connection to either New Genesis or Apocalypse, she just seems like there's no connection there. And so therefore, like I, I always feel a little bit lost when she comes on stage. And yeah, yeah. She becomes part of the fight a little bit later on, but like her introduction there is well done, but it's a little awkward. And we get four pages with her. 
So get a it quarter of the issue with introducing her. Mm -hmm. uh, it's well done on page, you know, in issue number 25. Uh, 24, I got kind of confused. It's like, what is this, you know? Mm -hmm. But I like the ending of what happens with her, or like she ends up realizing that she doesn't want to do violence, you know? I wonder what Gerber would have done with her. Mm -hmm. I wonder if she ever sh uh, showed up anywhere else. I didn't really take a look at that. As far as I know, she never did. I mean, we were talking before about how this comic was just its own little kind of cul-de-sac. Mm -hmm. Nothing else really came out of it. It was. It's easy to imagine her kind of becoming like a surrogate child to Scott. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You're right. Like Kind of like how Shiloh was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, because Granny leaves him, leaves her behind. Uh, she also wants to get away from her parents, who were, you know, frankly, just they they they're kind of abusive towards her. Oh yeah, right. They give her to Granny goodness uh, without really even considering the ramifications. Even worse than the trade for Scott. It reminds me of kind of like uh, not parents who like groom their kids to be athletes but like jean Bonnet ramsey you know like remember the yeah it reminds me of like parents who groom to be like i don't know they put him in really bad situations like they give him like actually gymnasts they do this too like a lot of gymnasts they go there from there since they're little kids and the, the coaches become parents and oftentimes they get put into like a lot of abusive situations. That's exactly how I read this character. I mean, she's 15 years old. She would, she's like right at the age she could be an Olympic gymnast. And we see her, you know, doing all these, you know, doing the uh, gymnastics stunt there at the very beginning. Like, I think that's how Gerber wants us to see her. Mm. I just think it would be so interesting. Oh man, now I'm, I'm even like missing the, the issues we didn't get even more. Like imagine her as like a child figure to Barda. Mm -hmm. And Barda yeah. having a chance to kind of transcend how she was brought up with another discard from Granny Goodness. I mean, that's basically she's Barda. Yeah. She's a human, you know, earthbound earth person from, you know, that's basically Barda, yeah, from Earth. They're a great contrast because Barda's all is very emotional and very strong. Aliana is is uh, physically strong, but emotionally, like she's frozen to the world. She she she's like completely inside her box. In a weird way, she's more like the the character Granny Goodness would create than Barda was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like she's programmed. Aliana's programmed to be this robot. Yeah, it's would have loved to have seen it. Ah, now, now I'm like, ooh, could I could I write my own story that like it's not Mr. Miracle, it's Mr. Amazing. And uh, you know, <laughs> what would his stories be like bringing up this character? Mm -hmm. I also liked seeing Scott fighting in his street clothes. That was weird, weird <laughs> feeling, but it it really grounds the story also. Oh, yeah, yeah. With just his mask on, yeah. Yeah. 
it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, in the movie, uh, I think it was Dark Knight or one of the Batman movies where like uh, he has to fight, like he has to go, like he's Batman, I guess Christian Bale's character uh, can't dress up with Batman during daylight, but he still tries to save people. So he'll put on like a helmet, like a motorcycle helmet. So you can't see his face, but like, yeah. Yeah, and there's even a good reason for Scott to pull on the mask. It's not out of heroism. It's because he, he thinks it'll help him avoid getting gassed. Yeah, yeah. So like, and then he he just needs to get out of the his clothes because he'll have more freedom. So like, the, even the way Scott becomes the hero is so true to life in a way. Mm-hmm. I also like that Ted is having a drink, that they're normal people, they're just gonna hang out and have a drink. Oh yeah, I put that, <laughs> my notes on that one was in Ted, Ted's an alcoholic. No, no. <laughs> it's true, could be. And then there's one other one. Oh God, where's my other, I have notes, I have two. Ted's a drunk and, uh... oh, so there was one thing, one mention that he did, he's all like, your own, because when you talk about his origin, Ted was all like, yeah, your own George Powell movie. Mm-hmm. I And I wasn't familiar with George Powell, so I looked him up and he was the guy that did a Time Machine, which is like a really old school science fiction that I really like, but like a classic science fiction movie from like the 40s or 50s and 60s. Yeah, I bet that went over a lot of people's heads, especially now. Especially now, yeah. But and I think Gerber saying something, yeah. Yeah, middle of the page is Gerber making another Gerber-esque statement. Unless we can make enough people aware of their stake in their own individuality. It's a dying concept, Ted. Society puts too many pressures, too many demands on people. They're too busy fulfilling others' expectations to question their own needs. And then he goes on. There's one form of anti-life Ted. He's almost saying like, we all have the anti-life equation inside ourselves, and it's becoming drones who are obeying everyone else in society instead of allowing ourselves to be intellectually and emotionally free. Uh, There's the philosophy kind of creeping in there. Mm. And it's, I, I find it so interesting. Again, here's Scott, he's, he's almost like this ghost in the machine. You know, he's this free agent in the middle of a society that's all kind of committed to its own continuing changes, continuing mm-hmm. growth or whatever. And Scott's there to say, no, hang on, take care of yourself because uh, who else is going to take care of you effectively? Mm-hmm. You know, think about your own needs. And, and also being true to yourself. Which be is true to yourself, yeah. yeah. To find own self be true. There's just so much going on in these issues. Did you have any other notes, Amir? Um, I didn't really have any notes on the fighting. I think my only thing was going to page 16. I think we've mentioned it already that Aliana says, you know, I don't really like the violence. I want to compete against myself and get better. And then the poignant thing uh, that uh, Granny says is like, you know, I like the... I like the slaves or whoever is back at Apocalypse because they feel pain and I could control them. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas then you don't feel pain and I can't control you with pain. And that's all I know how to do. So she leaves. And then, you know, the next note is, I'm going to find an antichrist against you, Scott. And that's it. And I was like, oh, man, I would have loved to have seen that. And I bet you what Gerber would do, not being too presumptuous, I bet you that the antichrist would probably somebody who he'll discover that, like, oh, you know what? I don't want to fight Scott. Yeah. There's a better way. Oh, it would be so nice. It would be so interesting to see him do as like an anti-climax. Yeah. yeah. He leads up to the big confrontation and then, yeah, they just come to peace with each other. Yeah. That would be so interesting. Anti-antichrist. Anti-antichrist. Yeah. Because that that's who he, that's who Gerber has become. Just a, I thought these were a, an amazing pair of issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love them. I mean, Let's read some more Gerber, huh? Okay, let's read some more Gerber. 